Hi and welcome to the Deeper Linking Podcast. Today is going to be about stress. It's going to be about eustress, distress, which are the different forms it might come in. I'm going to talk about multiple studies I read on this topic that are hopefully going to inform you on its existence, first of all. So does stress exist or is it just sort of an excuse that serves us from time to time when we're trying to procrastinate? I'm also going to talk about how stress works, how you might use it, how you might transform basic stress into eustress, which is a form of stress that actually helps you, that motivates you. And I'm also going to talk about distress and maybe how to avoid it, which is the form of stress that demotivates you and the form of stress that kind of demoralizes whatever you're doing at that moment. Or, yeah. I'm also going to talk about the biology behind stress. Then after we wrap the whole stress topic up, I'm going to talk about lifestyle cliches the main plan for the podcast and three tips for a more healthy and proactive lifestyle the last thing that i'm going to touch upon is a special for my blog it's a thing that's going to come on there in the future it's a little plan i developed and in case you want to hear that just stick around until the end okay let's try and understand the stress response before we even talk about anything anything else concerning stress it's first about sounding the alarm, as we can read from an article published in Harvard Health Medical School Journal Online, published in March 2011. You can find everything that I talk about in the podcast show notes, so don't worry about that. This article actually is about the chronic activation of the stress response, which is supposed to impair your health, but this is not going to be the thing that I'm going to extract from it. I'm just going to talk about understanding the response first. Um, so when someone confronts danger and their eyes or ears perceive this, then the information is directly sent to the amygdala, which is a small little connection part of the brain beneath the cerebral cortex, so the gray matter of your brain. And the amygdala normally contributes to emotional processing of anything any stimuli and if the amygdala interprets the image or the the sound that it got sent as a danger then it instantly sends a distress signal to the hypothalamus the hypothalamus is like a control center of the brain or the command center and uh, it communicates with the rest of the body through the autonomic nervous system which controls involuntary body functions like breathing blood pressure heartbeat and the dilatation or constriction of key blood vessels and small airways in the lungs called bronchioles. This nervous system, the autonomic nervous system, has two components. It has the sympathetic and the parasympathetic nervous system. The sympathetic nervous system functions like a gas pedal in a car, is what it says in this article, which kind of, to me, it's a, it's a vague example, but it works. So it triggers the fight-or-flight response, providing the body with a burst of energy so it can respond to the perceived danger. And the parasympathetic nervous system is kind of the opposite of that. It's like a break, is what they say in the article. So it uh, contributes or it promotes the rest and digest response, which calms the body down after danger has passed or after the distressed signal has disappeared. So after the amygdala then sends a distress signal to the hypothalamus, the hypothalamus activates the sympathetic nervous system by sending signals through the autonomic nerve system to the adrenal glands. The adrenal glands then secrete a hormone called epinephrine or more widely known as adrenaline 
into the bloodstream and this epinephrine then circulates through the body and brings on a number of physiological changes. Some of these physiological changes are a faster heart rate, a deeper breath, which consequentially leads to a more oxygen sent to the brain. So increased alertness, increased sight, better hearing, and these, these senses become sharper as an evolutionary or an evolutionary produced mechanism, if you could say it like that, because it used to help us when we ran away from scary things. Now we don't do that anymore. We just hit each other with cars and all that stuff. So that's what we have to be alert about these days. It still helps us, but it's not as critical to survival as it was back in the day when the homies were still running from tigers and all that shit. Meanwhile, the epinephrine triggers the release of blood sugar or glucose and fats from temporary storage sites in the body. These nutrients flood into the blood system or the bloodstream, supplying energy to all parts of the body. Then the HPA axis relies on positive or negative feedback loops, as we can or as we call it in biology. If the brain continues to perceive something as dangerous or as it continues to feel distress towards the given situation, the hypothalamus releases corticotropin releasing hormone or CRH for cool people, which travels to the pituitary gland and then triggers the release of adrenocorticotropic hormone A. CTH for cool people. Um, this hormone ACTH then travels to the adrenal glands, which we had earlier, prompting them to release cortisol so they can't just release adrenaline and then call it a day. They also have to uh, release cortisol when the car is coming closer or when we are still in the same room with the same annoying people which stress us. And then the body stays revved up or on high alert. When the threat passes, the cortisol level falls. Uh, the cortisol levels fall and the parasympathetic nervous system or the break as we called it earlier then dampens the stress response so why is it important to understand the stress response we've learned that cortisol is released during the stress response and we've also seen in, in multiple studies from the past um, that cortisol actually makes us perform at higher levels so to say supernatural levels concerned or compared to your natural ability as you need that under dangerous circumstances um, but if we have increased cortisol levels all the time so if we chronically trigger the stress response we're going to suffer from multiple health impairments in the long run like for example schlafstörungen in german which is insomnia in english like blood pressure high blood pressure like heart diseases like obesity and also concentrating issues or the difficulty to concentrate which is impaired by increased cortisol levels. There's multiple ways to test your stress levels, and some of them are listed in the study that's called Stress in Academic and Athletic Performance in Collegiate Athletes, which you can find in the podcast show notes on my website. And uh, Table 1 is going to show you the different techniques that you can em employ to measure your stress levels. And some of the stuff in here is, um, or the main thing they talk about is measuring external and internal load. So external load is defined as the work completed by the athlete measured independently of the individual characteristics. So it's just quantitative. It's just numbers. It's how high you jump, how fast you run, how many kilos you can pick up or down. The internal load is related to the physiological and psychological stress imposed on the individual. 
So the variable examined in external loads are the power output, which can be measured by various devices, just like, what could you do? You could deadlift, you could pull a little weight on two sides of a, of a pole from the floor. You could also measure the, neuro, uh, the neuromuscular functioning by, for example, jump tests and CMJ or SJ performances, like sprint performance. You could also measure the time motion analysis by GPS tracking or the movement pattern analysis via digital video. Like when sprinting, you could see how they, for example, well, this is very athlete related here, so I wouldn't recognize, uh, I wouldn't recommend for you if you're not an athlete to film yourself sprinting and then say, oh yeah, my leg goes up too much, I'm stressed. But if you have video of you running on your best day and videos of you running on a bad day or whenever you not feel well, then you could compare those. And it's not necessarily sprinting, it could be anything. It could be dunking in basketball, it could be shooting a, a penalty corner in hockey, it could, I don't know, shooting a penalty in football, whatever. But if you compare your movement on those performances or on those videos, then you could actually see, oh yeah, when I'm stressed, I don't concentrate well enough or I, I do this differently. And then you could concentrate on that thing even when you're stressed and you know that that normally happens when you're stressed and you could prevent it from happening the next time, which is kind of a cool idea, I think. You could also... Actually, that's it for the external load. But for the internal load, you could uh, look at the perception of effort as a variable examined by rating of perceived exertion or RPE known in the fitness world. You could, um, these are like little surveys. It's like um, a scale of one to 10 and you rate your your own performance or how much you think it actually challenged you. So when you, like when you, for example, on a good day, you lift 100 kilos on a deadlift and you feel really exhausted after that and you might give it a 9 or 10 on the rate of perceived exertion or the rating of perceived exertion and if you lift let's say 100 kilos on your on your on your best day then you might not even feel like that's all you could pull so you're going to give it a little lower rating that's how it works basically you should uh, you should also give it a session rating of perceived exertion so how you felt about the whole session how it went what you thought of it and you could give that to your to the to the kids or to the athletes you train as well after training you could give them or you could send them a little survey via email whatsapp whatever there's so many channels you could use today but just make sure if you're in this position if you're a coach that you monitor the stress levels or the internal load of your of your athletes so you make sure that you actually don't overdo it or underdo it they might perceive their exertion as very manageable or considerably too low then you need to rethink your philosophy as a coach i think it could also incorporate heart rate measures as a variable examined for internal load like heart rate basically heart rate to rpe so the the variable or the the ratio which heart rate you perceive at which RPE. You might have to do some extra testing for that. You could also look at the heart rate recovery, HRR, which is how, how long your heart rate takes to get back to the normal level, so to your resting heart rate after 
or how well it recovers basically after higher levels of exercise or higher levels it needs to perform. Um, you could also look at heart rate variability and training impulse. If you want to do some further reading, if you want to dive in a little bit more thoroughly, then you could just look at the study, stress in academic uh, and athletic performance in collegiate athletes. Um, but other than that, you could do qualitative questionnaires like the profile of mood states and others. And from those, you could derive how the athlete felt before, after, and while the training. I think if you're a coach, you should definitely think about stuff like that. And also, if you're if you're training on your own, if you go to the gym, for example, you should definitely look up RPE. You should look up heart rate to RPE. You should think about getting a heart rate monitoring device because that could actually help you in assessing your performance, your stress levels, and how you should change your training in the future to increase your performance and to increase your health physiologically and psychologically one general factor that you should look out for and that you should obtain it's not that hard to obtain find out if you're a male or a female and then read the study or read the abstract to the study sex differences and anxiety disorders interactions between fear stress and canodal hormones the highlights of this study when you scroll down on the page you can find all of these studies that i'm referencing in the podcast show notes by the way when you scroll down on the page, you will eventually find a little, th yeah, a little section where it says highlights. And um, the first highlight that they provide us is women are more vulnerable to anxiety and fear-related disorders than men. Great, thanks. But what can I learn from this? As the study states, I also think that understanding these converging influences is imperative to the development of more effective individualized treatments that take sex hormones into account. Because you can't treat stuff in biology or in any real-world application like economic theory, where you just say the magic words, set it parables and everything just stays the same, but one factor that you're changing. Because you need to take the big picture into account, and I think that biology has failed in the past to take sex hormones into account when addressing the issue of stress. So some treatments are maybe more effective for men or more effective for females. I think it really depends on the specific case, but in general you should be aware of the fact that sex hormones do play a role in this and that you shouldn't just assume that everything works the same for both of us. If you know what I'm saying. There's much more cool literature on this topic. If you're not a reading guy or girl, and if you're not willing or able to spend hours or even 20 minutes, 10 minutes on this topic, I would definitely recommend you to go uh, to my website, deeperlinking.blog. Go to the podcast show notes, and there you'll find a video from Stanford Medicine on YouTube. It's about five minutes long. I think it's five minutes, 30 seconds or something. And it's on the on the response to stress, anxiety, and fear, which has been investigated by neurobiologists at Stanford University using VR technologies. It's uh, it's really interesting. It's, it's not that long. You can look it up. There's a lot of science behind the video. I think it's a lot of work that went into it. So just go look it up, have some fun with it, and maybe you're hooked by the topic and you do want to spend some more time on it, and then you can just... Look up the other studies also shown where you found this in the podcast show notes. 
Another important perspective on this topic uh, is provided by the study called Immediate Pre-Learning Stress Enhances Baseline Startle Response and Fear Acquisition in a Fear-Potentiated Startle Paradigm. If you're an international listener, if you're a German listener, and you're kind of confused by the words startle or paradigm, startle is basically feeling a sudden shock or alarm, and paradigm just means model in scientific cool terms. So it's nothing to be revoked by, okay? In the abstract of this study, we can find that uh, its results suggest that stress immediately before fear conditioning strengthens fear memory, so any stressor implemented immediately before some sort of fear, some sort of startle conditioning, some sort of sudden shock conditioning, whatever, enhances fear memory, from uh, the, f the formation of fear memory, and produces a more enduring fear memory, perhaps via corticosteroid activity. Such a paradigm could be useful for understanding factors that influence traumatic memory formation. So why did I, why did I look this up? Why did I bring it up? What do you care? I brought it up because I thought that it was an interesting take on stress and that was a, it was a different take, it was a different insight on it. And we should, I'm not saying that it works, I'm not saying that you should do this, but I think it's definitely work, uh, worth investigating that it may be helpful to have some sort of stress or some sort of shock within learning, before learning, so the the learning or the the effect of the learning may be increased it's it's nothing that has been researched too much but maybe you you go look it up you do it uh, you you punch it into google whatever but just i don't know i wanted you to be aware of it i wanted to share this with you it's definitely not a finished thought on my end as you can maybe obtain from my take on it here it's an it's an unfinished thought. It's it's just an idea that I wanted to put out there as something to be investigated in the future and something to be aware of for you. Okay, let's end this biological discussion, biological elaboration on the on the topic of stress with some relaxing Buddha quotes, okay? Okay, I think I'm just gonna read the few quotes to you right now, and then I'm going to add my two cents worth to it. Quote number one, Lao Tzu. If you are depressed, you're living in the past. If you're anxious, you're living in the future. And if you're at peace, you're living in the present. I think this sounds true and enlightening at first, but at some point... I think living in the present involves living in the past and in the future. Maybe simultaneously or concurrently, but it's definitely a good thing to try and be mindful, to try and live in the moment. But on one hand, you gotta kind of juggle reality and juggle what's happening around you. And on the other hand, you, you maybe have to deal with other stuff that happened to you in the past or that's coming up and... Um, how do I want to how do I want to frame this? You got to live in the past and the future to be able to cope with the pre with the present at some point because 
if you just live in the in the present and if you're just mindful you're not going to work are you because it's what what is it for what are you working for what is your main goal what is your motivation your motivation probably lies somewhere in the past and the goal which can also deal with motivation lies somewhere in the future okay the next quote is from our man the myth the legend marcus aurelius he wasn't really a buddhist i know calm down he was more of a stoic but he still had something to tell us he still had something valuable to put out there he had two or three cents worth to tell us to add his mustard as we would say in german he said if you're distressed by anything external the pain is not due to the thing itself but to your estimate of it and this you have the power to revoke at any moment i think this is especially true for relationships because most of the time i think it's not that you're fed up with with the people themselves but that you're fed up with the reality of the people and the comparison that doesn't really work between your estimate of the people you are the picture you have of those people in your mind and the reality they give you because they they won't work how you want them to work they work in their own special unique way and it's it's beautiful how they work but you don't ever really appreciate it because you always compare it to the picture you have of them in your brain and i think you need to fix that before you're trying to go out there and criticize other people on that The next quote is from our good old friend Shanti Deva, and they said, "If you can solve the problem, then what is the need of worrying? If you cannot solve it, then what is the use of worrying?" Thanks, my guy, but I don't think I always immediately know if I if I have the solution up my sleeve or if I if I packed it in my bag when I left the house this morning. But there's definitely some truth to this because after you. P- probably pondered on the topic for a bit and after you figured out whether you can solve it or not then you just you should just lay it down you should just let it hang you should just give it up when you know that you can't solve it like a really extreme example would be a loss if you lost someone you can't solve it you can deal with it but you don't have to worry about it you have to deal with it and i think there's a fine line between worrying and dealing with stuff so thank one more mind-boggling quote from the the Dalai Lama who said Buddhists perceive everything in life as an illusion which means that nothing has a concrete existence what we see as solid and permanent is only present for the time being eventually within months years or decades it will cease to exist damn son that's kind of kind of harsh kind of existentialist but i think it doesn't have to be an illusion just because it it's not going to last forever it does have some longevity and i think you need to compare it to to our lives and to our lifespan it does have enough longevity for us to last so i don't think it's an illusion it's maybe an illusion that it's something permanent because nothing is permanent but i don't think that necessarily everything in life has to be an illusion which is i don't know for me it's kind of a negative outlook on life when you just walk around and it's like you're an illusion my g you're going to cease to exist tomorrow the day after or next year i don't know and maybe i understood it wrong then please hit me up 
and tell me. Okay, I think that's enough quotes for today. As I've said, all of the stuff I mentioned is going to be it's going to be linked down in the podcast show notes on my website. You can find this website under deeperlinking.blog and maybe also deeperlinking.club in the future because I'm thinking about acquiring that domain as well. I think it's a it's a nice up and coming theme this dot club thing. But I'm going to think about that a little bit more. Maybe you should think about it. If you have a website, get the .club. Because those domains are rising right now. The prices are rising in everything. But look at the tangents that we're going off on right now. Anyhow, I think now I'm going to look at lifestyle cliches. And two of the three lifestyle cliches that I'm going to talk about a little bit later have been shown to decrease cortisol levels. One of them is called showers. The other one is yoga. And they're definitely this sort of hit or miss situation so people are either going to be oh fuck off it's bullshit shut the fuck up or it's going to be oh yeah it's great it changed my life been a criminal before i've like killed everyone and now it's like oh i do yoga i'm so calm but i think it's somewhere in the middle just like over taught us back in the day when he was talking about Icarus and Daedalus and one of them is flying close to the sun and it burns himself or they go close to the water and they drown but you have to be flying somewhere in the middle and that's i think where your position on that should also be it's sort of like a intermediate position between oh it's bullshit and oh yeah it's great but enough about stress let's conclude it's about you stress versus distress it's about how you cope with it and it's about stress being a source but also a cure uh, training being a source but also being a cure of stress it's about academic social financial any kind of performance related stressors and it's about understanding the response to treat it sort of from the root at the root so we've understood the biology behind stress we've understood how it works we've understood how we could monitor stress for us but also the people we may eventually coach or may eventually try to help at some point of our lives and um We've also seen that we can use stress as an advantage to find new habits, to find new ways to, first of all, cope with stress, but then also after we've coped with it, maybe instrumentalize those habits to help us with other things. Another habit that has really impacted my life, that it, that has really helped me, is creative writing. My English teacher, Mr. Lowe, um, suggested it to me, or he, he brought it up once, and I really resonated with the idea of it so i started and i started writing poems i started writing short stories and it's really awesome like it, it really helps you to get your thoughts in order it uh, really helps you to focus on what's important about your op uh, opinion on anything it's because i think when you when you think about stuff and you you ponder on anything your mind is just sort of very persuasive in the way it tells you stuff it's very not unreasonable but it's not that rational and you really want to think rational about stuff you know because you could bring down or you could jot down the emotions on the paper but the thinking or the path to determining the emotions you should feel should be rational and you do that by just finding it doesn't have to be cr like creative writing it could be i don't know draw something uh whatever go run but bring your thoughts in order and organize whatever you're feeling. Organize your emotions. Now I'm quickly going to talk about 
the plan of the podcast for the future. This podcast is going to be about anything health, lifestyle, literature and philosophy related. And I'm also thinking about a special where I invite coaches from various sports to discuss their life's philosophy as I think that coaches always have a very unique way of looking at life and their philosophy and how clear they define it for themselves and others is their main source of income. Because as a coach you need to have a you have a you need to have a clearly defined philosophy for your life. You need to have a clearly written out theory of everything. You need to have principles basically. You need to have a morale and you need to you need to be able to communicate that morale with your, your athletes and your staff members. That's why I think this special could be really interesting, just inviting any sort of coach on here and letting them just speak their mind on their lives, on others' lives, on just on everything, on life's philosophy, all that kind of stuff. The next thing I'm going to touch upon now is um, the three tips for a more healthy and proactive lifestyle I have for all of you. The first one is read more where you can just read more the first few book recommendations i can give for uh, i can give you is if you're a philosophy guy i would definitely recommend any dostoevsky stuff fyodor dostoevsky russian author beautiful works another one is um albert camus he's french or Al algerian actually but he writes in french because they speak that there um but you can get it translated obviously first one from camus i would suggest is uh, The Stranger, Der Fremde in German. Um, the next one then would be The Myth of Sisyphus, also from Camus. And after that I would I would go to Dostoevsky and I would start with The Idiot. Um, if you're more of a fiction kind of guy or like sci-fi but also philosophy, then I would definitely recommend you 1984 by George Orwell, which is not his real name. Apparently his real name is Eric Arthur Blair. And he changed that to George Orwell as a writing anonym, whatever. Um, the really big one from Dostoevsky, which is called The Brothers uh, Karamaskov, is nothing I would recommend you for the start, as it's just going to take up way too much time in the beginning of your reading journey. Um, another thing I would recommend you is to to look for small books, look, look for books that have not that much pages that are not that long so you can get through most of them in like a week a few days and you could just maximize your your input output ratio um another book i would recommend to you is a whole life by robert zetala um i think it's an austrian author correct me if i'm wrong send me an email and be like oh switzerland germany uh, actually it doesn't really matter but um, it's a beautiful book it's about the life of someone living in the I think it's the Alps and um, how they see people die around them how, how they're just sort of counting on themselves all the time and how that's the only one they can actually rely on I think that's enough book recommendations for now. Um, you should just look up my blog called Deeper Linking. I'm going to give a lot of book recommendations there and I'm also going to provide some literature for you to read every Friday. So just definitely check that out. That's deeperlinking.blog.
the next tip is only surround yourself with stuff that benefits you or at least that doesn't inherent, uh, inherently harm you. By that I mean, if you think you're fat, if you want to cut your weight, if you want to lose those pounds, then just don't buy the fucking stuff. Like, don't buy fast food, don't buy chocolate, don't buy anything that's gonna make you fatter. But buy stuff that's healthy for you. And if you actually do that, then you're just gonna be home and be like, oh yeah, I want chocolate, now you're gonna go to your fridge and it's like, oh fuck only low-fat milk and nice cereals or something and then you're just going to eat that and you're going to feel just as satisfied after or maybe even more because every time you eat chocolate you're like oh no fuck i eat chocolate again gonna be so fat tomorrow like just surround your stuff with the stuff that's good for you same with people honestly if you have a friend that just tells you you can't do whatever you want to do like for example starting this podcast i'm actually very grateful that i have friends that support me here so it's i'm still a bit nervous putting it out there obviously but i have friends that tell me that it's going to be good i have friends that sort of facilitate my way into this you know i have people that i can talk to this about and actually they give me probably like good critic um good advice and i'm very grateful for that but if you have people that are going to tell you or they're going to tell you oh yeah don't do this don't don't start a podcast it could be could be bad it could whatever just cut those fucking people out of your life it's not that easy i know but just try to maybe mute them or something like that if that makes sense um the third one is uh to follow my blog that's gonna help you to have a more proactive and healthy lifestyle no that's a joke but actually just follow the blog the third tip is uh, having two different playlists it's unexpected because it's not that big of a deal your music playlists but for some people, or exactly, like I can just speak for me here, but this sets the mood for me, you know. It set uh, it sets the mood for me from the get go. So if I if I wake up, I have two playlists. There, it's a bit cringy. The one is called Pure Performance, and I heard that uh, I I I listen to that throughout the whole day. I listen to to that when I wake up. I listen to that when I'm on the on the train going to school. I'm listening to I'm listening to that when I'm on the train going to the hockey hockey pitch. I listen to that whenever I need to perform after. And it just it just stimulates my brain in the sort of way that that like tickles it. It's like, oh, you need to go, bro. You're gonna you're gonna need to perform in a few seconds. You're gonna need to perform in an hour. You're gonna need to perform in a half an hour. But you need to be ready. That's what the playlist tells me. And you need to have like whatever motivates you, obviously. But but I rely on like classics, um, like Queen, for example, like MJ, also a bit rap like uzi kanye eminem aj tracy if you like that drill vibe also pops one valuable tip that i could give you here is that you should start listening to soundtracks of films or like any film instrumentals maybe something where they even sing on it but just listen to the stuff that motivates you they'll just listen to the stuff that gets you going it's just about setting the tone setting the setting the mood that's what it's about and just find whatever does that for you and stick it in that playlist and go out there and do whatever you want to do and then you need to have a chill playlist for me it's called be good i have multiple volumes of that on here like for mine the one i'm listening right now is volume two and uh whenever you feel like you've done everything you needed to do for the day whenever you 
finished practice and that was the last thing on your to-do list for the day, you can check that bitch right off and you could go to your phone, go to your music app, whatever it might be, Apple Music, Spotify, whatever, and you click on the on the chill playlist and that's going to be like, it's just going to be affirmation that you've actually done what you needed to do for the day and that you can be proud of yourself. Um, there are a few recommendations for the chill playlist would be Post Malone, Still Woozy. If you're German, Jeremias is a great upcoming artist. Um, follow my Apple Music, which is, I think, Maximilian Gutzmacher. I don't know. I'm going to put it in the podcast show notes in case you want to copy my playlists or build on them, whatever. Next week's episode is going to be on... Nah, I'm not going to tell you this. You got to come back here to find out. I think I'm going to end this episode with a quote from my English teacher, Mr. Lowe, who I've actually mentioned in my blog and my podcast numerous times. Greetings to you, sir. Best English teacher. Actually, best teacher I ever had. Um, when he gave me a book, or he actually gave our whole class a book, which was such a beautiful act of him, and I'm really grateful for it. He gave me Catch-22, which is supposedly one of the best war novels there is haven't finished it yet but i started it and it's pretty it's pretty insane you know it's pretty cool and the man is such a wise guy you know we told him to sign our books and we asked him to and in the matter of seconds he came up with such a such a sick statement he put in mind and he said to be mad enough to do something but to be sane enough to know you're mad okay i think i'm gonna end it on this note um thank you for listening just be sure to come back here next week and I hope this has benefited you in some way. I hope you found it useful. I'm still learning. This is my first podcast, so excuse any M or uh, or whatever. Just know that I'm trying to improve from podcast to podcast and this is obviously the first one, so this is not going to be great in retrospective. But I'm just trying to put stuff out there. I'm just, I'm trying, you know. Anyway, see you here next week and thanks for listening. You're going to uh, be the first ones to know. Uh, on my blog, I'm going to start to upload poems of mine. I'm going to start to upload short stories. And I'm I'm thinking about calling it Metaphorical Monday, which is a bit... It's a bit cringy, I know. But I think it's it's a fun thing. It's a, it's a nice idea. And uh, I think people are actually going to benefit from it because they see that what I'm doing may not be perfect. It may not be as eloquent as some other poet, like uh, Thomas Hardy, for example, would have done it. But it's something, you know, it's something I put out there. It's something I, I put time into. It's something I invest in. And it's uh, it's something that honestly helped me, uh, helped me and still helps me to this day. So uh, be sure to check out my blog and... Uh, you can definitely expect some poems and uh, poems and short stories on there in the future. Also, be sure to follow me on Instagram. That's deeper linking TikTok deep links. Um, my blog deeperlinking.blog is the website. And have a nice afternoon, morning, night, whatever you're doing right now. Be great at it. Okay. See you later. <laughs>